Hey, Alyssa. Hey, Sam. Oh, I forgot what I'm supposed to say. <laughs> you always forget that. <laughs> uh, are you ready? <laughs> you betcha. Stuck at the office or traffic jam. Time to take it easy with Alyssa and Sam. Is that show you know? A pro. Okay, so today we have a viewer request. Our very first. Yeah, we're a pretty big fucking deal now. <laughs> um, so on the day that we're recording this, it's Thursday. We released our first ever episode yesterday. And guys, we got to number one on top shows. I I cannot believe it. So we were really excited. Thank you guys so much for your support and for listening. And we're so happy like with the feedback and just that it's resonating with you guys so uh mission accomplished and now we can shut it down <laughs> thanks for coming guys <laughs> yeah see you see you next year <laughs> but with that aside we have a listener request um so this is from samantha great name lover already um she requested for us to go deeper into our experiences with depression and anxiety which we talked about not super briefly but brief enough in our imposter syndrome episode so today we're gonna delve deep deep dive baby really get into the trauma <laughs> yeah which is interesting because i just had therapy this afternoon yeah same, same. <laughs> nice and fresh the tears are not even dry yet so i thought it would be interesting just to kind of detail our experiences of like how we came to understand that we were dealing with mental illness um, and I kind of would like you to go first, because first okay. of all, I feel like your story might be a little shorter than mine, because <laughs> I can really go on. Um, but also because I feel like for you, it's a lot more recent that you're dealing with having to come to terms with the fact that you are dealing with anxiety and all that kind of different stuff. So how did you come to understand or like find out that that's what was going on? So I never, like you said, I, I never growing up had anxiety. Yeah. I was always in like dance and acting and nothing bothered me. Like I was able to get up on stage, no problem. Didn't have a problem talking to people. And then I was in university. I was in college and um, <laughs> I'm like, university, just kidding. It was college. <laughs> um, I was in college and I had to get up and give this presentation. And I wasn't fully prepared for this presentation, I will say. Um, but I had the paper in front of me and I had a partner and everything like that. And when I got up there, I, I'd never felt this feeling before. And it was just what I now know of, like, being, you know, an anxiety attack. Yeah. Um, and I just, like, my <laughs> my pulse quickened. My face was hot and red. I felt like I couldn't breathe. I couldn't speak. And um, anybody who knew me in that class did not know me to have anxiety. So yeah. they thought that I was, like, like, really, really sick. And so, and that's what I thought. I was like, oh, I'm just really sick. Like, I don't know what's going on. And I actually ended up having to sit down and my partner had to do that presentation by themselves. In that moment, did you have like any thought at all that it might be anxiety? No, I don't think so. And I'm not proud to say this, but um, people in my family dealt with anxiety when they were younger and I was really not compassionate about it. Oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah. I was like, why can't this? I hate saying this. It's, I am, do not like this about myself that this happened. But I would like think things like, why can't you just figure it out? Like, why can't you just do yeah. this? You know what I mean? Because that's I, I really feel like that's how you feel about anxiety if you don't suffer from it. Well, I think that's how you feel about mental illness if you don't suffer from it right. or if you just don't understand it enough. And I... Um, actually a friend of mine, uh, when I was in elementary school, which we were like quite young at that time. So there was no talk of mental health or anything like that. Um, I was in grade five and my good friend just stopped showing up to school, which was obviously very bizarre. Mm -hmm. And it was really weird. And like our other friend, um, we were kind of like a group of three, our other friend and I were just kind of getting like annoyed with her. And we'd call her after school and stuff on our landline telephones. And we'd be like, where are you? Like, why aren't you coming in? And she'll be like, oh, yeah, like, I'll be there tomorrow. And she would just never show up and never show up. And then the one day I had gone to her house to hang out with her. And this had been going on for months at this point. And she had written me a note that she handed me when I left. And it said that she was dealing with anxiety. And that she couldn't come to school. And that even going to, like, the movie theater and stuff really bothered her. 
and she had a hard time doing this that and the other thing like detailed all these things that she had been really struggling with and I just remember reading that and being like just do it yeah just go to school and like I think it's so it's so funny because (laughs) now obviously I deal with depression so I know what it's like to be like no I can't do that and I don't mean I can't physically do that I mean I can't bring myself to do that right um which in itself is not being able to bring yourself physically to do it because yeah yeah. yeah. and and I think that it's a lot of people I feel like that I've talked to kind of go through the motions with mental illness where they realize there's something wrong they think it's everything but mental illness and then when they find out that ooh, maybe that's it they're like uh like they they want to get out of it so badly like they want to be like no that's not it like it can't probably not like that's I have no reason to be anxious I have no reason to be depressed and then you have to kind of go through all of these motions of being like oh and I was also a dickhead about that at some point and now (laughs) and and now I have it and like it's just like I feel like it's this huge cycle for people and that I think that that is what kind of was happening to me when I first felt this it was more so I was like oh yeah that can't be it yeah like I don't I, I honestly hated anxiety so much because of how much I had to hear about it growing up because mm. of the, my family um that I I was like no that's not me yeah because I just that I, ain't me dog <laughs> yeah man like I actually like just was like this is so annoying that you're using this basically as an excuse is yeah. how I was feeling which is obviously not how I feel now yeah um and keep in mind I was obviously quite young when I had these feelings um but yeah, so that was the first time. And then it that sort of thing just kept happening to me when I was in situations where I would have to get up in front of the class. Um, I actually went to college with my dad. We were in the same classes. Um, and he he and I had a presentation together and even standing up there with him, he couldn't even believe it. Like my hands were shaking. I, like I was crying Mm. like in front of my class because I was like I have to do this like I just have to get through this but then as soon as I would sit down in my seat you're fine I I was having which is why people thought it was so bizarre yeah because if I was sitting in my seat I could have debates I could have intelligent conversations as soon as I stood up it was game over and why do you think the dynamic is what shifts you into such an anxious place I honestly really I haven't I haven't navigated that yet fully. Um, Something that we discovered today, I think, is it has a lot to do with my self-confidence. I think that because I'm not super self-confident with my body image, um, that kind of translates into... Yeah, being more anxious. When you're kind of like put on a um, spotlight. Yeah, because I feel like when I'm standing up there, you know, all eyes are on you. I know that, I mean, lots of people have fears of public speaking. Yeah. But um, it's, it's just so interesting that I can public speak in front of people just not if I'm not standing up yeah (laughs) right like it's so crazy I remember opening a cactus club and being so concerned that I wasn't going to be able to speak because I was a trainer yeah and I was so concerned and I remember um having to train my first uh trainee she ended up being one of my best friends um and I was so I was I was having really bad anxiety like it was hard for me to breathe when I was like talking to her uh it was it's just so crazy but that's weird too because that's more of like a one-on-one interaction isn't it yeah you know what it must be um is when I I feel like maybe I'm I'm not good enough like or something do you think do you think it has anything to do with like when you're put in a position where you're kind of expected to be not an expert per se but like really knowledgeable on that subject yeah I think yeah just because you um, want to perform well yeah and it's so interesting that the the almost like the trigger to it was me not being prepared for that um yeah paper right and even now when I am prepared I had to give a a bar meeting because I was the bar manager recently I had to give a bar meeting and like oh my anxiety was through the roof all day um and my I have really uh, sensitive skin because I'm a redhead uh and when I get anxiety my entire chest flushes and my Mm. face and neck flushes um into this like blotchy pattern so it it's I can't hide it yeah (laughs) basically um and I've had to like pass on to other people to try to like divert the attention and stuff like that it's just yeah it's just crazy and it's gotten so much worse recently since um well I don't know if it's gotten worse or if I've just been putting myself in more situations that scare me yeah yeah right since I started uh acting I deal with a little little bit of anxiety not like anywhere near on what you're dealing with but um 
a lot of a, the majority, I would say, of my anxiety is not situational. Hmm. It's random. Like, it's just like this random feeling. And I'm like, oh, God, <laughs> everything's going wrong. And I don't know why. But <laughs> and I, don't, I have nothing to point the finger at. Um, that and like I do situational wise, I do get anxiety about um, planning things with people. Yeah, that's such an interesting one. Ugh, it's the worst. Elaborate on that real quick, maybe. I just, I don't like, even like agreeing to travel and stuff, I really struggle with because I, even if it's somewhere I want to go, even if it's, if it's somebody that I want to see, I dread it like until the exact moment that it's happening and then I'm like, oh, okay, it's fine. Do you, do you know why? No idea. Do you think? No. No, I don't know. I haven't really like explored that much with like my therapist because we focus so much more on depression right because that's so much more crippling (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) yeah exactly yeah um and and crippling for you yeah yeah so for you you kind of had this moment in your class and now you feel like it's happening a lot more when was it that you were actually like oh this is anxiety and now I have to do this to combat it I remember you were involved but I remember when I was in Toronto I was kind of coming to terms and this is like five years later after this incident um I was kind of coming to terms with the fact that I probably have anxiety Mm. because you had stopped into Toronto and asked me to drop off a package to a post office for you because you were going to like Paris or something the next day you wanted me to mail it to somebody and I went to go into the post office and I couldn't weird <laughs> like I ended up being able to do it but I was like my hand was shaking when I was trying I to never like... mailed that package and now I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you now <laughs> no I did I did mail it <laughs> but um my hand was shaking when I was trying to fill out the form and everything and the lady was looking at me super weird like I felt like everything that I was doing was awkward like pulling out my credit card like it was how odd yeah and and I think that's when I realized okay this is this is something that isn't, I don't want to say not normal, but that I, I can't deduce Not down. normal for you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, okay, something's not right here. <laughs> and after that, I kind of found certain things. Like if I drink alcohol, the next day I will have anxiety. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. And it's not even anxiety that like I can deal with. It's like, I think that the whole world hates me. Mm. or um that I'm like worthless I can't get out of bed to uh take a shower I don't want to wash the dishes like it's almost like yeah it's the weirdest thing and it's and it's even if I've like not done anything crazy the night before I've just had like say like three or four beers or whatever didn't say anything weird I still feel like I'm like the biggest like degenerate basically weird Mm -hmm. Mm. it sucks that does suck. Yeah. Yeah. Girl can't enjoy herself with a couple of brewskis. <laughs> yeah, it's probably a good thing. I'm, I feel like I'm noticing it so much more because I have all of these like passions that I just want to pursue so badly. And literally the only thing standing in my way, I feel, is my anxiety now. Yeah. Which in turn is like me allowing my anxiety to control me. So basically at every turn, I am now having to stand in the face of my anxiety and be like, okay, what the fuck say you? In the imposter syndrome uh, podcast, I was talking about how my friend dealt with his anxiety and he basically just said like one day to himself, like, okay, if I'm going to have to deal with this, give it all you got. Like, give me the worst anxiety attack I could ever have. And in that moment, he said that like that, it it faded basically. And so now I am trying to do that and remind myself that I am in control of my body. It sounds like kind of um like hokey sort of thing yeah (laughs) but this these are the things that work for me because like the the I don't want to say bullshit because I'm sure it works for some people but the stuff of like okay plant your feet on the floor and like breathe in through your nose out through your mouth that stuff does not work for me I don't know why maybe I don't um connect with it enough what I do connect with is being like okay this isn't going to kill me yeah so let's just do this here and now like reasoning with yourself yeah exactly I'm like okay like let's do this like give me the worst anxiety attack I can have everybody's gonna know and that's fine yeah basically and then usually when I do that it it does start to go away Hmm. because I've it's like I'm slaying the dragon basically (laughs) like it's so it's so crazy to talk about it like that but in those moments I literally feel like I'm up against like 
Yeah, like yeah. an actual dragon. Mm-hmm. But it's like my own mind. <laughs> so yeah, that's that's my anxiety. But you have been struggling with depression for like quite a long time, actually. <laughs> decades yeah um, i got a little nervous right when you're like oh but you and i was like mm, i don't get very nervous very often i started dealing with depression now i know looking back i started dealing with depression when i was about 16 i, I believe it was like largely brought on by my brother's accident so just like quick recap for those of you that don't know me or like anything about me um my oldest brother i have two older brothers uh, my oldest brother got into a car accident when I was in grade 11 and he had to relearn how to walk and talk. Uh, he lost his memory. He was in a coma for several weeks kind of thing. Um, and it was a very, very, very long rehabilitation process, um, for our family. And he still meets with like occupational therapists, physical therapists, all that kind of stuff now. So he'll have, um, he, he had a brain injury and that was kind of largely why all of these different things were affecting him. And so, he'll have that for the rest of his life basically and so that was a really really hard um that was just a hard thing to deal with as a kid basically and we'll talk about that more in another episode I'm sure but that I think for me was what sparked my depression because I really struggled with how much his accident changed our relationship right um just because we were like quite close beforehand and I wasn't as close with my other brother at the time. And then after the accident, um, we weren't close at all anymore. He didn't want anything to do with me. Didn't like me being in the room even. Different stuff like that. Um, and also just because this happened on the first weekend of summer break. And it was also Father's Day. <laughs> I ended up having to spend my entire summer working at my parents owned a deli. So me and my other brother had to work at this deli because it happened out of province. Um, so my parents flew to where Aaron had gotten to the accident and they had to stay there with him because he was in a coma. He was in the ICU. We weren't sure what was going to happen. Um, so Stefan and I were at home, my other brother, and we had to work. And so I wasn't able to see my friends and stuff like that, which it sounds so petty, but like when you're 16, that's all that matters to you. You know what I mean? Like being out and, and going to see your friends and stuff. And so I left that summer really feeling like, I had no one. I didn't have my relationship with my brother anymore. He wasn't going to be the same person. And we had been told that by multiple doctors. And it was just, and also just, it was hard for my entire family. So that was really hard to be around. I I, I noticed my depression mostly through the fact that I had such a bad attitude. And I could not, for the life of me, pull myself out of it. Like, I just, like, constantly complaining always seeing like things for the worst kind of thing um and then slowly like I just didn't want to do anything and for me I think I can't remember how I stumbled across like learning about depression I think that I might have just been like looking it up just for fun um and then I was like oh oh that kind of sounds like what I have going on but for me at the time I thought depression literally was exclusively suicidal tendencies right (laughs) like that was like all that I could think of when it came to depression I didn't realize how many other things go into it and so for the first little bit I was like absolutely not like that's not what's going on I think side note too I think that we felt that way because that's what we were taught of depression growing up yeah yeah exactly was that it's not all of these other things that you're going to get into it was just like like self-harm basically yeah which is just I think that that's such a flaw I do too because I think that like obviously like suicide is like the worst part of that and suicidal thoughts and tendencies and all that kind of, of stuff course. is the worst part of it but there's so much other stuff that makes your day-to-day life very 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 difficult yeah and it's it's I don't want to say just as important but it's it is like you know just as important as suicidal thoughts and all that kind of stuff because it's what leads to that right in some and I, cases and I think that it it leads to people being underdiagnosed as well yeah and it's I'm I'm not a doctor of course but not everybody is medicated and that's and that's fine yeah and it's whatever their journey is but just even having an answer yeah, yeah. as to like why am I feeling this way why do my friends feel a different way why do I feel like so different than my friends even just having like something to like grab onto just so you can start coping in any way yeah it I feel like it makes such a difference anyway yeah. sorry go on um so when I kind of realized that there was something going on and it wasn't going away, I was really, really working hard to try and make it not seem that way. And so I remember um, 
when I would be coming up to school, like walking up the ramp to go to school, I would be thinking of something funny to say as soon as I got in in the morning so that I was making people laugh. I was seeming happy. I was seeming whatever um, so that people wouldn't notice like how sad I was. Mm -hmm. And then I remember this one kid came up to me um, and he wasn't someone I was super close with. He's a year younger than me. um, And he came up to me and he was like, Sam, I feel like I just look at you and you just seem so sad. And I started sobbing in this kid's arms and he was like oh god (laughs) because I don't think he was like prepared but to me in that moment I was like how how could you possibly know yeah when I've worked so hard to hide this and I felt like I was doing a great job like yeah I felt like there was no way that anyone could possibly be aware that I was going through it but that moment for me was was really really difficult because as much as I think that I could have taken it as like okay people do care I I think that started a very very long chain of um like embarrassment for me Mm. fast forward a little bit I had I had gone into a doctor I had been prescribed antidepressants at that time which I was taking um but they I really really struggled with them like I hadn't had like suicidal thoughts at all before that but while I was taking them I would have like invasive thoughts. So if I was like standing on the side of a road, I would like picture almost like I would view myself from above, like I was outside of my body. I would picture myself like walking into traffic and stuff like that. Um, Just weird shit like that. And so I had a really hard time with it. And I eventually ended up going off of them when I moved to Vancouver. So I moved to Vancouver right like two weeks after I graduated high school. And at that time... um, I was dating this guy. I was having a really, really hard time in this relationship. It was not a good relationship. We will talk about it another time. Yeah, fuck that guy. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that that person was like very emotionally and mentally manipulative and abusive. And I remember there was one conversation I had. I was just struggling in general. I was struggling so much um, with everything being with him and just my on my own as well. But I... Uh, I remember at one point saying to him that I was like, I really think I might have to go back on antidepressants because I'm struggling so much. And he was like, um, well, I would never date someone who needed to be on antidepressants. I literally just remembered that that happened and I'm like, I'm irate (laughs) all over again. Yeah. So that and that moment for me, it's so funny because like, I knew at the time that that relationship was not great. And then after I got out of it, I was like, oh, that was really not great. But years later, I'm still like dealing with the aftermath and being like, oh, wow, like that is this thing that I still deal with today is because of that moment, like seven years ago. After that situation, I really, really, really just basically pretended it wasn't a thing. That your depression wasn't a thing. Yeah. Like, I was like, not happening. I'm fine. I can just push through. It's going to be whatever. I can deal with it on my own. I don't need to talk to anyone about it. I don't need anyone to help me. And then I kind of also, this was another thing that I really struggled with. And this is why I feel so strongly about this now. In the beginning, I feel like I really, once I realized it was depression, I feel like I really tried to put it on other people. Oh, like you're making me depressed. kind of but more so like once I got out of that really bad relationship I got into another relationship that was actually quite pleasant right but um I I felt like okay you are now in control of my mood oh and my happiness and this is now your not burden because I didn't feel that way at the time but obviously it's a burden yeah I'm like okay like you you're gonna fix this right and like I just remember um, I was I was really happy in that relationship. I really enjoyed mostly everything about it. Um, but I remember having a conversation with my mom and I was like sobbing and I was like, mom, like I'm just realizing like no one can fix me. Mm. Like no one can change this. No one can take this away. And I'm like, I don't know what to do with that because the thought of it literally being only me that can do anything about it was like horrifying. Like I didn't want that to be the case. And then I think I settled into that so much because I was embarrassed, because I was let down, because I thought that no one else was helping enough and whatever. 
And if they just did this, maybe things will be different for me and whatever. And I think because of those things kind of combined, I started to just basically ignore it and do absolutely nothing to help myself. (laughs) Um, And that went on for a very, very long time. Like I had such a hard time doing my job. I had such a hard time being consistent, um, uploading to YouTube and stuff like that. Um, I would turn down tons of work, um, tons of travel opportunities. Uh, I had a really hard time connecting with people as friends and stuff like that even because I was so depressed and so unwilling to come to terms with that. And I think this kind of came to a peak for me last January, I believe it was. I literally was useless. Like, I I was at such a low point. I'd never been at that low of a point in my life. Because for me, like, my depression is very cyclical. So I'll have really, really bad moments. And then I'll kind of, like, come out on top and I'll be fine. And usually, like, I can get a lot done during that time. So that when I do have, like, a little bit of a lull, it's a little bit of a smoother transition. But this was just like a, like it felt like a straight drop off. I just could not, I couldn't do anything. I felt so hopeless. I like didn't want to hang out with people. I didn't want to reach out to people. Um, I didn't want to go to therapy. I didn't want to go on antidepressants because I was like, no, I can figure this out my own, on my own. Um, but how are you supposed to figure it out on your own if you feel so hopeless and so useless and so shitty kind of thing? Because for me, I really feel like, to be able to help yourself, you have to already be at a point where you're doing a little bit better. Yeah. You can't be at the, I mean, maybe some people can, but for me, I can't be at the absolute bottom and then try and work my way up. I have to do something to get back to like a baseline and then work on things to actually get to like happiness and productivity and all that kind of stuff. Right. So uh, first off, I never want to hear you say that you're useless <laughs> because <laughs> even when you are at your lowest, you are still not useless because yeah. you're still so important to the people around you, even if you don't feel don't like you're doing enough. Don't make me cry. <laughs> but it's important to know, right? Yeah. It, like it's, I just, oh, oh my goodness, you're so important that I just would hate. Yeah, I have tears in my eyes. Anyway. Thank you. Um, and then I wanted to ask you, so what, what did you do when you were in that space to get back to your baseline? So honestly, like I wish that I had something to say, like I did this and that like pulled me out of it, but I had to wait. Like I I literally just had to wait until I felt like I was moderately more stable. And in those times, I have to do very, very small things like plugging my phone up outside of my room before I go to sleep, because if I wake up, then I'll read something I don't want to and it'll put me in a bad mood or I'll see something without meaning to kind of thing. And then at one point, I was talking to Matt and I was like, this just feels like it's never going to get better. I have no direction. I don't, I'm, I don't have anything planned. I have nothing planned for my future. Like this is literally it. And I'm just going to be, it's going to be done tomorrow. And then that's it. Like I just have made nothing of myself basically. And, um, he was like, why don't you like, I don't know, get some help. And I was like, how dare you? <laughs> I was like, I can do this on my own. Can you not see how <laughs> well, I'm how doing? much of an empire I'm building of wellness? Like, give me a break. <laughs> and so um, I did actually end up at one point being like, oh, okay, fuck, maybe I need to go talk to someone. And I reached out to someone and she messaged me back and said that she was on, she had just that day gone onto maternity leave. <laughs> and I had like a breakdown because like, I'm sure a lot of people that deal with mental illness will understand. It's like it takes the smallest things to just like absolutely destroy your spirit. Yeah. And so I reached out to this person. She was on mat leave. I had to deal with this like huge moment of being like, okay, wow, I tried and it failed. And now what kind of thing? Which obviously the now what is just reach out to someone else. It's going to be fine. But in that moment, I was like, ugh, like I had to spend like weeks. I'm pretty sure it was months. I had to spend months. Um getting over that right and then being like okay I've built myself back up enough I'm at a point where I'm like okay I feel a little bit more stable so I'll reach out to this next person um and she had the the lady that had gone on mat leave had recommended me um the name of another therapist and that's actually who I go to now and I if you're listening we love you yeah she's not (laughs) she's not listening (laughs) I was so hesitant about it uh, I like almost canceled the day of and I was just like ugh, this is gonna do nothing I, I didn't had... know you almost canceled the day of yeah I was so like not into it Did, were you having anxiety around it 
I was having a little bit of anxiety, but more so than anything, I was just like, ugh, like this this person isn't going to do anything for me. Okay. I had actually gone to therapy. I had like dabbled with it like a little bit um, beforehand and it I did not click with that therapist at all. So it, which this is something as well, if you're somebody that's dealing with mental illness and you've gone to a therapist before, a lot of the times the first one may not be the one for you and that does not mean all therapy is useless by any means because once you find one that you click with it's like truly life-changing what what were the um signs that you weren't clicking with this this other therapist just so other people might you know um I really didn't like her method of like how she would talk to me because she would just kind of be like mm-hmm mm-hmm Hmm. and and what do you think about that and I'd be like okay like she like didn't actually have a conversation with me like she wanted me to just talk and talk and talk and talk and talk which I can do in therapy but like I I wanted her to I wanted to feel like she was invested in the conversation right um and she also there was like one moment where she tried to like direct the conversation to be about how like I had some kind of childhood trauma and like maybe my parents had to do with some of this and I was like oh no like I had a, I had a really good childhood and like my parents are great and they are super supportive and whatever and she was like but I mean sometimes we really bury those things deep and I was like no like yeah this is not one of those situations they're fine and she kept trying to go down that road and I was just like if I'm telling you that like what you're talking about is making me uncomfortable because that's not the situation I think I know myself a little bit better. Yeah. And like, obviously, yeah, there are those like cases of people like really burying something. But I'm like, this is not even even if that was true and I was burying it. I think that you should recognize that I'm uncomfortable and, and step off of the conversation for a little bit. Exactly. Yeah. You should, yeah, exactly. Table it and bring it up another time or whatever. And then last of all, uh, I really didn't like the way she ended the session. I know that sounds like so silly and like whatever, but um, she was just like, that's all the time we have. Well, I was like mid-sentence and I was like, oh, okay. Our therapist now, we have the same therapist. Yeah, we do. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Our therapist now is just like, I immediately clicked with her as soon as I got in. I knew. It wasn't something where I had to ease into her and be like, okay, like I'll get used to it. Like right out the gate, I was like, yeah, I click with this person. Yeah, so did I. I really liked her right away. Yeah, I had a ton of anxiety about going to therapy. But you also were like, this is stupid. Like not stupid, but you were like, this is not going to do anything for me and I'm not going to have anything to talk about and whatever. Yes. Um, I think everyone's like that before. Yeah. I just felt like because, uh, I don't even know what I felt like. I just, I felt like I was just going to bullshit her and I was going to be like, like that you're going to be disingenuous. Yeah. I I did feel like that because that's what I'd been doing like basically my whole life. Yeah. And that I would just tell her what she wanted to hear or whatever. Little did you know. Oh man. (laughs) She can break a woman down. (laughs) I literally, (laughs) yes she can. I was literally sitting with my friend the other day and he was like, your therapist is a pretty big part of your life. And I was like, I guess. Monumental I guess so. Yeah. And honestly, I didn't realize how much she was impacting my well-being in a good way obviously yeah um until I lost another really important person in my life and I've lost quite a few really like really important people in my life and um each time I really go down a really bad path yeah um and I just am like really destructive and not a good not I wouldn't say not a good person but I'm not not good to yourself not good to myself and I'm honestly not good to my partner yeah because I'm just like really hard to deal with and stuff like that and um I lost this person recently and one of my other girlfriends was saying, you know, that I wasn't, I wasn't engaging in those behaviors this time and she thinks that it's because of my therapist. And I was like, wow, what a 180. Yeah. Because I lost somebody a year ago and then again, and it's just like like, spiraled. Yeah. And it's just like, wow, the difference. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I do believe in therapy. This isn't like (laughs) me trying to like (laughs) preach, but I I really do believe in talk therapy. Oh, I do too. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that, and, and that's. I was against it for a very, very long time. Like, just because of the embarrassment, because I thought I could do it myself and I didn't need someone else. And, like, I I think, like, I had a very, very um, strong feeling about the fact that I was, like, if I start relying on this therapist, I'm going to be going back into that feeling that I had where I wanted my boyfriends to fix everything for me. Mm. And I'm, like, and then what if she quits? Yeah. What if she dies? What if whatever? Like, what if she doesn't want me as a client anymore? What if I move? Like, and I was like, then I rely on this person and what do I do then kind of thing. And I think that that 
I was like, well, I need to figure out how to do this on my own. But you learn how to do it on your own through therapists. Yeah. Also, if she moved, we would literally like. Oh, I would move with her. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be like, pack me up. <laughs> let's let's fucking go. Where are we going? Where are we moving? <laughs> yeah. I'm ready, baby. Frankly. Yeah. <laughs> I told her I'd invite her to the Oscars if I ever won an Oscar. <laughs> yeah, she's perfect. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a really scary thing at first. I think everyone is like, no, it may work for you. But I'm not that person. And again, we're not trying to force you into therapy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but I do think I do think there's different coping mechanisms that work for different people. I don't think that um, mental health is rigid by any means. Like I don't – I think your anxiety, my anxiety looks so different. My depression and somebody else's depression looks so different. The way we cope with it is going to be so different. I get messages from people all the time and they're like, thanks so much for talking about your depression – um, how, how do you cope? Like when you're in a really bad place, what do you do? And I'm like, I just don't know, you know, like it's almost like I feel, I want to help people obviously, but I'm also like, I feel a little bit uncomfortable. Like, are you doing them a disservice because it might not work for them? Exactly. And I'm like, and, and first of all, I'm obviously not a professional in this field. I just have my experience and, Mm -hmm. and it is so different. Like it's so different because I don't know exactly what your depression looks like versus mine. And I know what helps for me, but it's so situational for me because a lot of my depression is, um, really, uh, sparked by my career. Mm -hmm. So it's like certain, like, you know, plugging your phone outside of your room might do literally nothing for you. But for me, that's huge. Like Mm -hmm. it's such a, such a difference. And even when it comes to therapy and stuff, I mean, there's so many different kinds of therapy and, and certain people might, you know have depending on like what you know your your issues are depending on what kind of mental health you're dealing with um any kind of trauma that might be happening in your life or had happened all that kind of stuff um can change like what therapy might be best suited to you what antidepressants might be best suited to you what coping mechanism like literally everything it's so it's so personal I had a lot of anxiety going into our therapist for the first time because I was worried that she was going to judge me. Really? Yeah. I just, um, I was a wild child, man. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I did a lot of things that caused me a lot of trauma and I had a lot of trauma that was just exterior. Um, and I was embarrassed about a lot of stuff and I knew that I was going to have to bring up a lot of stuff that I don't like to talk about. Yeah. Or that I'm, you know, I'm, I'm embarrassed about. Yeah. And I was like, what if I can see in her eyes that she's like, and have you ever felt judged no oh my goodness I opened up to her one time and she was like yeah and I was like what (laughs) (laughs) I was like oh wow (laughs) like it was and I didn't feel like I mean this is obviously I only have experience with her because I had never been to therapy before I really did feel like it wasn't disingenuous yeah like I felt like she was just like if if this isn't detrimental to you then who cares yeah exactly you know yeah yeah yeah, what a woman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Sam and Alyssa talking about their therapist for 53 minutes. We do spend a lot of time praising her, I will say. <laughs> we do. Well, half of my, like, therapy sessions are me talking about how much I love Sam. So. <laughs> <laughs> Today I was talking about, um, like, body image and my my struggles with how I view my myself. And uh, anytime I, like, hate on my body, Sam always says, don't ever talk about my best friend like that again. <laughs> and so I was just telling my therapist this, but I was crying and so I was like sam says don't ever talk about my best friend like that again (laughs) oh it's good something i wanted to quickly touch on just because we've kind of broken down your experiences my experiences i think it's interesting because you were talking at the beginning about how um you kind of looked at other people's anxiety or when you would hear about it and be like ugh like give me a break kind of thing and I want to clarify it wasn't other people's anxiety it was only when it was my family member yeah because I think that I had heard about other people having anxiety but I was just very judgmental of this person because I think they were in my family yeah and so I was like I was directly in line like you know what I mean yeah yeah you kind kind of knew uh a lot more about the situation yeah yeah and I think which which from that scenario I feel like you would be looking at them being like, yeah, why do you have anxiety? Because, like, there's no reason to almost. Which is how a lot of people's, like, inner narrative um, is when they're dealing with mental health. They're like, well, I shouldn't have depression because everything's fine. And, like, I dealt with that guilt a lot as well because I felt like, why do I have depression when I have a life that so many people tell me they want? 
And I, and I have so many people being like, wow, you're doing so well and like blah, blah, blah. And for me, I was like, but I, I don't feel that way. I don't feel accomplished. I don't feel happy. I don't feel whatever. And that's not to say, because I've had backlash from saying I'm not happy before. Mm-hmm. It's not to say that I don't enjoy my job or that I don't enjoy makeup or that I don't enjoy podcasting or that I don't enjoy my partner or my friends or my family or my dogs or whatever. It's just that even with all of that and yet, yeah. and like I'm still unhappy and like it's not, it's not because I don't love all of these things. It's just because like I have something you going have on depression. up there. Yeah, like, and, yeah. It's, and it's, there's, there, I wish I could change it, you know? And so I've dealt with a lot of guilt surrounding that. Um, and for years, you've been saying that exact sentence to me for as long as I can remember. Yeah. Like, since you started um, kind of, like, on the come up, honestly. Yeah. That was, like, what, five or six years ago? Yeah. And I, and I think it's interesting because I think the stigma of mental illness is so strong that – even me being someone who's dealt with mental illness for over 10 years, <laughs> yeah. I still look at other people and think that sometimes. I still look at other people's depression and I'm like, ugh, what do you mean? Oh, uh, yeah. And I still look at other people's anxiety and like I don't understand completely or like I, I don't get why theirs looks like this and like why they're doing this thing. And then like sometimes I'm just like so, um, so kind of like simplistic with being like we'll just do this which like obviously when people do that to me I'm like you don't understand that's not how it works but like I think it's just because mental illness is first of all so stigmatized but also because it is so different person to person that I feel like it's sad how easy it is to look at someone else and be like oh my god yeah like figure it out lady I'm so thankful that people don't ever say that stuff to me Yeah. Well, I don't know if people would say it, but when I do talk about my anxiety, because like I said, I was really against myself having anxiety. Yeah, yeah. Um, And so now I, I I would say in the last like eight months since I moved in with you, I've been really honest about my anxiety with people. Yeah. um, Because it does help my anxiety to tell people. Yeah. Same thing with for me. Oh, interesting. I didn't know that. No. For depression. For both, actually, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, That when I do talk about it, the the reaction that I get is so lovely. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. It's very helpful, um, heartfelt. Sometimes surprised, yeah. And then just like really like good compliments and stuff like that in saying like, oh, I I would never know. Like you seem so confident and stuff like that. Um, and I'm I know that it's still so stigmatized and so hard to talk about. Um, and it's totally different from person to person. But I could not believe the the kindness that I was met with once I started being honest about it. Yeah, and it's interesting because, like, it's pretty recent for me as well. <laughs> Someone, I'm just thinking of someone commenting saying, take a shot every time Sam or Alyssa says it's interesting. Um, <laughs> but uh, it's interesting. It's thought-provoking because I just recently, it's pretty recent, like, within the last, like, year, year and a half that I've been way more vocal about having depression. I think that the more I started talking about it, first of all, the less embarrassed I was. Secondly, the more I was able to actually cope with it, because I feel like once I put it out there, I was like, oh, okay, people know now why things might be the way that they are. Right. Not that it's like an excuse, but it was something where I was like, oh, okay, finally, like I have that off my shoulders. It's not something I have to hide. Mm -hmm. And so maybe if people are aware, they can kind of like deduce why certain things might be the way that they are on their own. And I don't have to necessarily answer to that every time, which was like something I was really scared of. Here's something to think of okay I I struggle with um chronic back pain because I broke my back when I was younger yeah so I felt like if people didn't know that I had like back pain and stuff and that I couldn't do certain things it was really embarrassing for me because I couldn't do these things and I didn't want to tell them that I was like unable Mm, right um and same with you know if you break your arm or something because because I felt like my back was an invisible injury yeah because it is basically yeah. to anybody who isn't living in my body which is everybody yeah <laughs> and um but if you break your arm people know that you can't go swimming because you have a cast on or whatever yeah so I think that to like kind of normalize that a little bit mental illness like depression anxiety um obsessive compulsive disorder like all of these things are invisible injuries Illnesses, yeah yeah right like if you if you normalize it in that way I just feel like I just, that's kind of like an aha moment for me because I'm like, okay, 
Yeah. And and we, with you saying like you felt like they knew what to expect. It's like, OK, when people find out about my back, they they don't ask me to go to the trampoline park anymore. Right. Because yeah. that's embarrassing. I don't it shouldn't be embarrassing, but it is. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And now that people know about my anxiety, they can treat me a little bit differently in those situations. Or even I was talking to you about it. Um, if you see that I'm having a hard time, you can kind of like step in because yeah. my anxiety dissipates so like quickly. Mm-hmm. You can step in and kind of take over. Yeah. And I think that's like they can recognize what's happening and why it's happening and not be like, oh, what's wrong? What's wrong? Whereas like, I think like when I'm really, really struggling, the last thing I want is for people to be like, you seem so sad. What's going on? What's happening? What's happening? Like, I would just rather them know, like, I'm just, I'm just going through it, man. You know? Yeah. Um, and that was something that I actually struggled with a lot as well, because I hated, I hated having to post videos, especially when I was feeling depressed. And it's funny because I will go back and watch my own videos and be like, wow, I was so depressed. Like you can tell I seem so annoyed or sad or just kind of like monotone or whatever. Like I'm not like there's no like vibrancy to me. Mm -hmm. And I look at my videos now where I'm like in a little bit of a better place right now. Not a little bit, quite a bit. Um, (laughs) But I look at my videos now and I'm like, wow, like you can absolutely see the difference. I understand why people would comment on it. But anytime I was like, oh, like I just do not want to film because I feel so shitty if I actually pushed through and I was like no I have to do this it's my job if I did that and I posted the video and someone commented being like you seem so sad or why film if you're in a pissy mood and stuff like that I it literally like devastated me because I was like I don't want this to be I want people to be aware I don't want it to be all you think of when you look at me and to be like well there she is going and being depressed again. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, take it into account is a great thing. But I don't know, like, it's just like people can be kind of shitty about it. And I think that's such a different thing. Because I think so many people are scared of what um, their situation would be like if they were honest about their mental illness in their personal lives, which most people's personal lives aren't that public. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I could see like you having some fear around telling people about it and getting a bad reaction. Whereas more often than not, you get almost entirely positive reactions. Yeah. And obviously there's the people that have like um, stigma within their family and stuff. But I think it's been such a different journey because I'm so public and I'm dealing with all of those people being like shitty about my mental illness. Well, and people who don't genuinely care about you as the person well and also sometimes and and honestly also just people who don't understand because like you said earlier if you don't deal with it it's really really hard for you to understand like if you haven't been through it and a lot of people honestly um it's 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 funny because when I'm doing like a YouTube live or whatever or I talk about in a video a lot of the times I'll get the comment of people being like ugh can we talk about something more uplifting? Can we talk about something else? Can we like move on from this subject? Because for people that don't deal with it, they don't understand like how much you just need to say it sometimes. Like Mm -hmm. you just need to be like, wow, I'm really struggling. I'm really having a hard time with this. Um, I had such a hard time showering this week, whatever kind of thing. Like sometimes you just need to like get it off your shoulders. So it's just done and out there and you can stop having all this like shame and guilt about it. Yeah, it's just trying to navigate all of those people that, just either don't care or don't know enough about mental health because nobody really knows (laughs) as much as we should about mental health considering that um when you were talking earlier about saying that uh you know like you have were reaching out to people and you were always met with like this kindness a lot of the times when I've reached out to people or had people reach out to me I find out that they also deal with mental illness and it's crazy to me I felt like such an outlier with my mental health because no one is honest and forthcoming about it for the most part there's a lot of people who who kind of shelter themselves and there's a lot of people that also are stuck perpetually in that phase that we were in where we were like I don't have depression and like I don't have anxiety that's not me it's just it's just a thing I'm going through right now whatever kind of thing I'm gonna come out on the other side and so I think that there's those people there's the people that don't understand it um But there's so many, so many people that deal with this and other mental illnesses and, you know, and we don't know and they don't talk about it. And when you start to realize through talking about it more, you're kind of liberating other people to to feel like they can do the same. And something I I realized, you said this uh, quite a bit earlier, but um, 
that all mental health does look so different, I realized that, okay, so I do have anxiety. That is a thing. But I also have these kind of like subcategories yeah. of it, right? Yeah. And even like I, I don't struggle with depression, but around my um, menstrual cycle, I get this um, – I can't remember what my therapist called it. But it's, I feel like it's similar to like situational depression from um, hormones Yeah, where I literally feel like there is absolutely no reason for me to be on this earth. And it's just like this kind of like little taste I feel of probably like depression, right? Yeah. And um, it's just, it's so crazy to have to deal with. And then it's, it's just gone. Yeah. After the hormones cycle through my body. And I, I had never heard of this before. I'd never, I've heard of like PMS, right? Where you get like bitchy or whatever, but it's so much more serious than that. Well, and also I think that, um, I think a lot of people's mental health is very cyclical. Like I think that a lot of people kind of ebb and flow. There's, there's some people that are like very consistent with like not being okay. Um, but for those people that are ebbing and flowing, a lot of the times it's kind of like, when they're in a low point, they're like, oh my God, this is the worst. I'm like never going to be able to get out of it. And then when they're in a high point, they're just normal, right? Like right. the high point doesn't feel like so incredible that you're like, I'm undefeatable. Like I know yeah. I'm at a high point. You're just like normal feeling. So you don't even acknowledge the fact that you're at a high point. And I think that's the moment, like when you're in like a high point, when you're doing okay, like I was talking about before, that is the time to start implementing coping mechanisms because when you get back down to a low point, you won't want to Mm -hmm. and you won't feel worthwhile and you won't feel like you can do those things. But it's so hard because it's almost like you forget, like you forget you have depression, you forget you have anxiety until it happens and then you're like, oh, oh, (laughs) that's still there? Yeah. (laughs) I didn't realize. And it kind of goes over and over and over again while you go in and out of these ebb and flows. Yeah. When I started recognizing the pattern with like my, my menstrual cycle, it was it was life changing for me because I didn't understand why I was feeling this way every month. And I didn't notice that it was every month. I was just like, oh my goodness, like this again, yeah. this feeling again. And then you didn't I, see the trend kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. And then once I realized that, I was like, okay, I have a reason now. Like, Yeah, I, like so I was you can kind about. of like prepare almost yeah and even just be able to like yeah negotiate with myself and be like okay this isn't actually how I'm feeling I mean it is true to me right now yeah but it's not true to my overall story one something else that was really valuable to me was I could then tell my partner this is why I'm feeling this way because his happiness really does like it's he wants me to be happy it's very intertwined with yours yeah and he's so so sad when I'm not happy and I think that it's just really hard for him here's a question because this is something that people always ask me what do you feel like your partner can do for you that helps you a big thing with me this is so embarrassing to say (laughs) oh my gosh he's I just want to say how understanding he is yeah (laughs) I get into these moods when I am having a really anxious day or um, if I'm, you know, in that state during that time of the month or whatever, um, where I just am really not nice. Yeah. And I pick fights and um, little things bother me that normally shouldn't. Just in a pissy mood. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm really not like that very often. Um, And how he helps me by that, and he doesn't even bring it up. He literally just does it. And I know that he's doing it on purpose, but he just never tells me that. But um, he's just he basically pretends that I'm not doing it. He's just more accommodating to the fact that he is because like you said, he knows that it's not him because I, I do make an effort to tell him, um, if it's like the time is coming basically. Yeah. Or I tell the time him time is near. <laughs> yeah. Basically <laughs> prepare yourselves. <laughs> Winter is coming. Yeah. <laughs> um, or, uh, if I have something that's like causing me a lot of anxiety that day, I think that he already just intuits that I am going to be, uh like quite a bit more irritable and that is a boundary that he is willing to like you deal with to deal with right like it he because he can reconcile with himself that it isn't him he's able to kind of comfortable kind of like water off a duck a duck's back right and so um that's huge for me because my other partners would engage in that destructive behavior or toxic behavior with me and it would become so much worse it would and and because he does this I come back from it and I, I mean, I swallow my pride constantly (laughs) Um, and I say, I'm really sorry. I don't, I don't like that I did this. Um, You know, I don't like this about myself, whatever. And then we can move on from it. And he's like, yeah, 
got it yeah and as long as i'm not crossing over into a, a boundary right that and i i don't anymore i don't yeah. think um then yeah i think patience and compassion huge yeah what do you feel like matt can does for you when you're in a, a really bad place i think for me um because my depression uh when i'm at a really really low point really affects my ability to do like much of anything like housework um not i don't want to make it sound like i do all the housework if anything that's the other way around matt does a ton of shit in the house um but like i'm not able to get like chores done and just clean up the kitchen when i make a mess and shit um i have a really hard time showering i have a really hard time going to the gym working um like just basically getting literally anything worth doing getting done um and for me because of that and because that's what my depression looks like um he's it's it's important to me how non-judgmental he is he's really able to look at that and be like yeah you're going through a hard time you know what I mean he doesn't hold it over my head Mm. um because I think it's so easy when you're coming from a partner standpoint or someone just looking at from the outside in whether you be a friend family whatever it's so easy to look at it from the outside in and be like oh my god okay I get it I know you're depressed but like come on like because mm-hmm. for me like sometimes sometimes my cycles are very very short and other times they're like ridiculously long like right. just like months and months like with day after day after day with no breaks like no not even a single day where I'm like oh I feel a little bit better today like it's just like ugh, constant like non-stop yeah. like all I can think about kind of thing and so I really appreciate that he's not judgmental um and Matt is someone who he's not the most like affectionate or like emotional person in the world, but he really goes out of his way when I'm having a really, really hard time to kind of like go the extra mile with that stuff because he knows that it helps me. Mm. Um, because a lot of what helps me is just like reassurance from those around me because I get into kind of a similar state of what you were talking about where I'm like, everyone must hate me. My friends must think I'm such a shitty person because I start to realize I'm like, Oh wow. I've been so depressed that I never text my friends. I don't reach out to anyone. I don't talk to them. I didn't congratulate them on this thing. I haven't asked how they're doing, whatever kind of thing. And I feel like I'm like, I'm such a shitty friend. I haven't worked on this at all. I've completely let this fall by the wayside and they must like think so little of me now. Mm -hmm. And same thing. I'm like, I wonder what like my family thinks of me. I wonder what my partner thinks of me. Like, is he even going to be attracted to me anymore? Because I'm just like this like lump of tears you know (laughs) like and I'm like not doing anything and and so yeah I think like the judgment is a big one for me and like him being really reassuring um is is another one that's that's really helpful and just even just even being able to talk to him for me specifically like I I want to just say it and not have you try to give me a solution every time because sometimes I just need to say it because a lot of the times especially with things with depression I know what the solution is like, I know how to get out of it. I know that I will get out of it, but that's not how it feels right now. And that's almost what's more frustrating because I'm like, ugh, like, trust me, I'm so fucking aware of what I should be doing and how I could bring myself out of this, but I just can't. And it's so frustrating to just say that and have it just, and just be like, just, it just has to be. That just is what it is. Like, yeah. I, I can't. I'm kind of curious. I don't know if you're willing to talk about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anxiety (laughs) i'm just i'm just curious if you've talked to a doctor about this at all or your therapist you have some tendencies (laughs) um and i'm just curious because like there's some little things i don't mean to like diagnose you myself or like please like don't take this as judgment but there's some little things that i'm like oh that's that's a that's a quirk um oh yeah like the cat spoons and stuff like that yeah so (laughs) Alyssa's like very particular and I don't know a ton about like OCD and different stuff like that. Um, but I had listened to a podcast kind of recently that was fantastic. It was like all about this guy and his adventure with uh, adventure, his experience with OCD. And it was so interesting because it was so different from what I thought it looked like initially. And what I thought it looked like initially was a lot more like what your tendencies are like. Mm-hmm. Would you like to talk about this? I will talk about it. All right. <laughs> Um, so OCD does run in my family. Oh, really? Yes. Yeah. Um, and pretty uh, severely. <laughs> it's, uh, it runs deep. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I had, I haven't been diagnosed, no, with OCD. Um, but I did have tendencies when I was younger and I, and I, I guess I can talk about those tendencies. Um, 
I would have to uh, do things repetitively, which is basically like classic OCD. Um, if we were going over the bridge, I would have to say bridge, 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 and then water, 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 water. I would have to, Sam's looking at me like, I've never told her this, so she's oh, yeah. like very How surprised. Odd. Yeah, and so I had to do four things that coincided with the bridge. And then I had four things on the way from my school to my mom's house that I had to do that with. Um, and so that was one thing. Out loud or in your head? In my head. Mm. Yeah. Um, and then I had another thing where I had to continuously make a f sound, like the F sound mm-hmm. with like with my lips. Um, just I think it was when I was feeling stressed, I would have to make this f sound. It was really weird. Other things, I was really, um, I still do have a really deep fear of the night. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's actually, I'm laughing about it, but it's because it's so crippling. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I used to have to sit up in bed and look at my shadow because I was scared of shadow men. It was like a documentary I watched when I was really young. Okay. Um, and I had to do that three times. And I was also very uncomfortable with the number three. So it's really weird that I... That you was, just really wanted to like put yourself into a state of... Uh... Yeah, yeah. And I had to like look out the window three times. Like I, it was, yeah, this repetitive thing. And then as I grew up, I kind of grew out of this these sort of behaviors Uh, And then recently, um, I think honestly, now that I'm thinking about it, it has kind of resurfaced since my dad passed. Um, And my dad passed away from cancer three years ago. And after this, I, I had spent quite a bit of time with him um, before he passed and uh, he, he did suffer from OCD. Um, And so I was engaging in these behaviors that he needed me to do. Like alongside, like oh be, like because on his of behalf him. yeah yeah oh, so interesting yeah so I'll just say this um when I made him soup this one time um when he was no longer able to care for himself and I put it in the wrong cup I I actually had to go back and remake the soup like I couldn't transfer the soup into a different cup I had to remake oh. the soup and I I don't think that I realized how much it affected him before that moment because I kind of rolled my eyes at him and he was like distraught that that he was so concerned that I was just going to pour the soup into a different cup. Um, But I had to actually remake the soup from scratch. So, yeah, so it was just those kind of um, behaviors that I was then engaging in on his behalf. And I think that that probably started this. You think it lended to your behaviors? I think so, because since then, I, again, have been, like, engaging in these behaviors. So some things, um, if you're interested, uh, that I have to do, like, I I have a cat, and I can't use the same um, spoons or anything for the cat food. I can't use the same cat bowls. I can't use the same um, dish uh, like scrubby for the cat bowls like everything is separate Every, from yeah. what like like any cutlery you would you would you would use any plates or yeah whatever and then for washing dishes yeah. as well and uh furthermore if say I was pouring myself coffee and Glenn my partner um opened a can of cat food on the same counter I then couldn't drink the coffee because I'm concerned that even like one drop spray from the canned cat food would get into my coffee. So you have reasons for these things. Yeah, but the, but that's the thing. Um, again, I'm I'm not diagnosed, but I do know that people with OCD like they um they can reason with themselves. Oh, really? Yeah, because of the contamination. Um, cleanliness and like contamination is a big one with OCD. I as far as my research shows. Um, and I think that's what most of mine is centered around. Mm. It's the same thing with like any cleaning tools. I have to have completely separate cleaning tools for um, like the top of the toilet, the seat of the toilet, the inside of the toilet. Um, the- whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> separate things for all of those individual pieces of the toilet? Yes. It's the same toilet. Yeah. It's the it's, same shit. <laughs> it's, it's different parts of it. Oh my God, that's so funny. Um, or the sink or whatever. And same with the bathroom sink to the kitchen sink. How does Glenna clean for you (laughs) this is the thing is he can't (laughs) yeah (laughs) this is what I was gonna say when you were talking about how your partner can help you or whatever he really does just accept that this is so important to me yeah it's not something that you can kind of joke around with like jokingly use a spoon because it really is it's like I have so much anxiety about it like yeah I wouldn't be able to ever use that spoon again I would have to throw it out yeah because that's how serious it is to me Mm -hmm. um and uh like breath is another one for me oh I'm aware you can't burp around Alyssa. No, I need to. Even though she will burp around you. Yep. Yeah. It's the weirdest thing. And like, I can't have anybody breathe on me. Um, like, if I feel breath on me, I have to touch that spot. 
to get like the the breath off I guess um and I have to go through like rituals before my bedtime to make sure that the place is secure it's yeah it's it is getting worse and I think that the more that I feed into it the worse it's getting do you feel like it uh wasn't a thing for a little bit because you mentioned it in your childhood and then it kind of seemed like there was this gap like do you feel like you you weren't really engaging in it at all the only thing that I still engaged with my whole life was this bedtime ritual if I was alone because yeah because I'm fear. so I'm so fearful of yeah the night um and it's I say the night because it's not the dark because I can have all the lights on in the apartment and it'd be nighttime outside and still feel just as terrified as if I was in the pitch black but I have lived in quite a few apartments by myself and if I am in those apartments and I've come home from work I have to engage in the exact same behaviors of um like rechecking and checking things like it's even so crazy that if I <laughs> if I check under my bed and then I have to go back into the kitchen to just, like, grab a glass of water. I have to come back and recheck under the bed. <laughs> it's just it's so ridiculous. very time-consuming. It is. And that's the thing is it is actually really hard to live with. Yeah. You know, like, I, I remember you and I were having a conversation about how I'm an easy partner or whatever. And I'm like, can you imagine having to live with that so closely? Like, it's... I just remember... <laughs> I remember actually because... Um, so we live in like the same house um and when I go away a lot of the times Alyssa will look after the dogs when she goes away I'll look after her cat and I remember the first time like right after she had moved in Matt and I were going away and I was like do you mind watching the dogs and she was like yeah sure just like leave a video of what I have to do and I was like a video I was like what do you mean I'm like just like pet them and feed them and then let them outside to poop and that's I don't know like what I need to film and I was like uh okay and I like wrote down like super like detailed notes I was like I take the food out of the freezer I thought I put it on a plate I cut it <laughs> like I was like how much more? like this is so odd you're like just everything I have to do I was like okay like I was like maybe she just wants me to be like really thorough so like she doesn't forget anything or she's scared or whatever of like doing something wrong and then <laughs> And then Alyssa went away and she left me notes of what she wanted me to do. And I was like, oh, oh, God. Like, she was like, dump out the water. Um, fill it with fresh water every day. Um, do this. Like, this, this is the scrubby brush. This is the spoon. This is the plate. Do not use any other plate. Do not use any other spoon. Do not use any other scrub. Um, he can have half of a can. And then you put half of the can. You, like, close the lid. You put it back in the fridge. It has to go in this fridge. And you, oh, my God. It does have to go in a specific fridge. <laughs> and, like, I was like, oh, this is why she wanted me to give her a video of how to care for dogs <laughs> which like to me I was like this is pretty straightforward but like it was not straightforward to care for your cat by any means I know and that's the thing is like ugh, I don't I don't know what it is maybe I I don't know I haven't talked to my therapist about it yet <laughs> she I'm finna <laughs> I'm booking an appointment right now yeah but um it is it can be difficult to live with mm -hmm. and I think that as well as a partner being willing to accept those things as truth because yeah. it's not true to them right yeah, it's true to yeah. me it's your experience not theirs yeah um i think it's important to thank them for being so understanding as well because yeah. it do again it does impact their life and that is actually such an important distinction that you make because it's so um it's so easy to just group people together with like what you're feeling must be what they're feeling and it is such a like such an important distinction yeah hmm that's so interesting yeah man yeah. well i think that's a good place to end this shenanigan perfect thanks okay. you guys for listening and being so supportive thanks again to our listener samantha for suggesting this topic if any of the other listeners want to send in a topic request the email will be in the description and other than that i think it's a peace out from us oh i had some people asking me to do the peace out okay you can do your real peace out peace out <laughs>